Father God, I thank you that you are overflowing with love, with mercy, with grace. I thank you that you sent your son, Jesus, the Prince of Peace, to lead us in the pathway of peace. I thank you that you love us in this way. As we turn to the scripture today, I ask that you'd please just help us. Help us to understand what we're reading and help us to understand how you would have us respond. I thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. I'm going to start with Jesus' words in John chapter 14 and verse 27. And first, just kind of set the stage, give you a little bit of context for what's happening in this moment. So Jesus, a very ordinary looking person from physical appearance uh, standpoint, has revealed himself to be Messiah. He came through a virgin birth that was fulfillment of many prophecies that was marked historically, uh, grew up in an average way, in a, in, in a normal way, experiencing a lot of the things that we experience in life, uh, also tempted, um, and yet without making mistakes, and yet without uh, sin. And he had learned the scripture, he had prayed the Psalms, um, he loved people, and he was loved. People enjoyed being around him, including people that felt like they were far from God. And he has revealed himself as Messiah, he has called people to repentance, to turn away from a life of living based on their opinion first, living to please themselves first. He's called people to turn away from that and to, to the life of living to please God the Father first. He's taught them to pray, Daddy God who is in heaven, I praise your name. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done in me, through me, on this earth. He taught people to pray. He did miracles. He healed people. He cast out evil spirits. He confronted evil. He called right, right, and wrong, wrong. But he was full of life and love and joy and peace. And people who hated religious people wanted to be around him. He was miraculous. And to fulfill the prophecies about the Messiah, there would have to be one who was pure to take on the penalty of us all, to pay the price. And to fulfill the prophecies of Messiah, meaning God had predicted for hundreds of years what his redemptive story would be and how there would be a way to him, a way to receive love, a way to receive grace, a way to receive peace that meant they would no longer have to make sacrifices at the altar. That they would no longer each individual be responsible to make a sin offering. But that there would be one who would come to bring fulfillment to all of that and to be the way, the way to receive God's forgiveness, God's love. He would be the Prince of Peace. So this Jesus is preparing His closest friends for what was about to come, the fulfillment of the prophecies. He was about to be put on trial, falsely accused, put to death through the most excruciating death known to human history from a scientific point of view. A broken heart of being personally betrayed and publicly mocked and put to death and buried 
but that the Father would accept His sacrifice as payment, a penalty of our sin, and through His power raise His Son back to life. It's time for Jesus to prepare His friends, His followers, for what they were about to experience. And in fact, as He is teaching them in this what's recorded in this chapter in John 14 about who the Holy Spirit is. God the Holy Spirit who would come after he returned to the, after Jesus himself returned to the Father. God the Holy Spirit would come as a guide to them in truth. To prepare them, to love them, to give them abilities. As he's describing that and he, he does multiple times to prepare his followers, he says something that's very important that when I was a kid we had a song we sang about this. Jesus says, I'm leaving you with a gift. That's important language. Jesus is not saying you have to do something to earn this. He's not saying you have to prove that you're worthy of this. He's saying, I'm leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. Jesus uses the word in Greek, erene, that was for the Hebrew concept shalom that was rich through the scriptures, this God kind of peace, this bringing to completeness, this wholeness, this full health peace, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. This is supernatural. This is beyond. This is different. This is exceptional. This is extraordinary. It is more fulfilling. It is more complete. It is unique. It is miraculous. It is a stranger thing. It's not something you can get from trying to please yourself first. Jesus knew in that there was only brokenness. It is not something that somebody else can give you. It is not something that money can give you. It is not something that substances can give you. It is something that only comes from the living God. We used to sing, and the world can't take it away. Right? The world didn't give it to you, and the world can't take it away. Jesus says, I'm living you with a, leaving you with a gift peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give is the gift the world cannot give. All of us in this room of various stages of brokenness, various stages of spiritual health, various stages of spiritual maturity, I would encourage you that there is a peace that is supernatural, that can be found in God, that we all should pursue. And if we're not experiencing it, we should mark that as an experience that God did not desire for us. Jesus said, I came to give you life and that to the full. We should pursue experiencing a lasting peace that comes from the living God. Peace, a state of completeness, well-being, a state of being in good health, able to rest, able to function at full capacity and free from danger or conflict in every area of life and in every relationship. That's what Jesus was talking about. Jesus says in Matthew 5 and verse 9, God blesses those who work for peace, or they will be called the children of God. It's also translated, these people are happy. happy. 
To bring shalom is to make complete or restore. Not just that we stop fighting, but that we start working together for each other's benefit. Are you with me? It's a God kind of piece. It's a little bit different. This is our 10th week. Pastor Ben, you're crazy. This is now equal to the longest series I've ever done in my life about peace. And I want to say something about this and the craziness of it. God's heart is for peace. That kind of peace. God wants that kind of peace on the inside of you. Inside your home, inside your vehicle, inside your cycling, walking, whatever, inside your workplace, inside your school, in your home, coming. God wants you so full that you are full to overflowing with this peace. That it is a natural byproduct of hanging around you. It is your aroma. Dangerous word in the summer. It's what people expect of you when you show up. It's what people... you. Uh, I was yesterday we were hanging around with some middle school and high school boys. One thing that I always love about adolescent boys is that sometimes they use um, cologne in a way it's not supposed to be used. <laughs> where it's like so much that it has when they're you're in a hall room and they they can be around the corner and it jumps down off of them runs around the corner and says he's coming he's just around the corner <laughs> our peace should be a little bit like that that when somebody sees us walking into the room, it should be what they expect. When we were still living in Portland, Oregon, we led a young lady to, to, to faith in Jesus Christ, but it started because during a very difficult time at our workplace, I had peace that she recognized that was supernatural. And it's, the conversation started with, I don't get it, why aren't you stressed? Now, I experienced stress in that time. I felt all of, she and I were, were team leaders in, in the company. We, we had shared management responsibility. I, I experienced the stress, but I was processing it differently enough in a way that that said, there's something different about you. Now, listen, why in God's green earth will we spend 10 weeks on this series? Peace house. How can a home bring peace to a neighborhood? Well, I, I'm glad you're wondering that. Um, every day, God is communicating to us through the Scriptures. Every day. He already has. Every day, God the Holy Spirit is communicating to you, maybe in a still small voice. Maybe through creation, maybe through different things, maybe through the voice of another mature believer in your life. Every day God is speaking to you through the scripture and through the Holy Spirit. And yet beyond that, I do think that there are seasons when a body of believers and an organized group of believers that, that would meet that qualification of a local church that we see in the New Testament, that there is a strategic word that comes from God to that body of believers. We've spent 10 weeks on that because I believe this is that. This is a strategic word from God 
for us as a church. I'm convinced this is the way our lives change for the better. This is the way our Sunday morning gatherings is right now. We have the same amount of people we had at the cookout yesterday. This is the way our Sunday mornings grow. This is the way our small groups grow. This is the way you start to lead more people to faith in Jesus Christ. This is the way we start to see some change. This is what God wants for you in your personal life, in your individual relationships that you have in your neighborhood. I believe that this is a specific, a rhema. This is a specific, strategic word from God for this church. Now, some of you have been with us for over five years. How many times have you heard me say that? Not many. I am loath. I am careful to ever say that. This is a strategic word from God for us. It's why it's been bathed in prayer, loaded with lots of scriptures. It's why it's all up on our website with notes on every post. You can download, you can stream. I am asking you to chew on this one. Oh, that's kind of intense. All right. Let's go back and just talk a little bit about the explanation. Because if this is indeed something that God really does care about, if this is indeed something that is truly God-initiated, if this is indeed something that reflects God's heart for peace in the lives of people around you where there currently is not peace, because that's really God's heart. God's heart is the peace. He loves you. And he loves the people he's placed in your life. Then we should understand this. We should have an understanding of where we should go from here. There is a peace, a healthy state that we can find in Jesus. We can be safe and sound, able to rest and function at full capacity, complete with our guilt removed and free to enjoy life. Our God wants us to receive it and share it with others. We should understand this. Pray for it. And work towards such a peace in ourselves, in our homes, in our neighborhoods, and in our city. In this way, we will pursue peaceful relationships inside our homes through forgiveness. Jesus motivates us to love neighbors by listening to them in an attempt to understand them and build relationships. This listening works best when we host people with food and offer to help them in what they're doing. From this context, we may create new personal relationships and repair broken ones. We will work toward natural peace and we will bring the spiritual peace of our God. Our homes will be a gathering place for our church family to grow. We will pray for our neighbors and our neighborhood. Our homes will bring bring peace to the neighborhood. Our homes will bring peace to the neighborhood. Amen? Yeah. Yeah. Now, That was kind of a lot of words, kind of difficult to wrap our brain around. Okay, so let's enumerate where we have been these last couple months. So in the first week, we looked at the fact that this is a God idea. We unpacked several scriptures for how shalom comes when we receive salvation. And we looked at some scriptures that are specific to the home, the physical place, the home, and peace in that home and how that can serve others. The second week, we looked at peace inside the house, in particular through relationships inside the house, between the family members inside the house and whoever is in the house through forgiveness, through forgiving each other and reconciliation of each other. Third, we looked at building relationships to love other people. And in particular, what we were identifying is initiating 
creating and building relationships with people that God has put in your life, at your office or at your neighborhood, that you see on a regular basis that you don't really currently have a relationship with. We, we looked at some biblical values for that and some creative suggestions of how to go about that. And in particular, we pointed out how listening and how you listen to somebody else and what they have to say is a significant factor there. That was good. Number four, we looked at help and hospitality. There's spiritual gifts and we looked at the actual biblical definition of those things and how they should work. Hospitality is bringing people into your home that you're not close with, that you don't know, and in particular people that are not believers. Hospitality, we're just having over somebody to your, feeding somebody uh, in your home that's somebody that's in this room right now. That's a great idea, but that's not what hospitality is when that word is used in the New Testament. That word is used to refer to bringing people who feel as though they are far away to be near to you in your home. And in specifics with a context for a gospel purpose for that activity. And then helps, the ministry of helps. We talked about as well. Week five, building bridges and repairing bridges. We talked about a few different layers of this, but uh, building bridges in the community, that could be connecting people, relationships, organizations, connecting people who need services to receive services. But we also talked about how you're going to have an opportunity where there are organizations or relationships where maybe it's between neighbors Maybe it's between organizations where there's been a fracture in the relationship and God can use you as a peacemaker to bring peace in that situation. Week six was a little bit intense. We talked about God's redemptive work, what God's purpose is in our community and in our neighborhood and how we can take action to join God's redemptive work and how that includes peacemaking. Week seven, we talked about bringing spiritual peace in particular in a spiritual charismatic sense of operating in our spiritual gifts. How can I operate in my spiritual gift to, in a moment, bring about change for somebody spiritually that they have not experienced before? Week eight was uh, where we talked about our life groups, our, where we gather believers in homes and our small uh, groups in following with the New Testament uh, council for how we do church. And we can interact with each other. We can question, we can learn, we can grow, we can pray, and we can care for our neighborhood, do different things as a life group in homes. Week 9, June 10th, where we gathered in a few different homes instead of in this place. We were in, and uh, also I did record a, a sermon for that Sunday, which is also up on the website with some notes, how praying for your neighborhood, and in particular those who do not yet know Jesus, praying for them, when you're, when you're by yourself, privately praying for them, how helpful that is in this process. You can affect spiritual change for them, spiritual change for the neighborhood, and spiritual change on the inside of you and your perspective. Your heart, you can go from a place of being overwhelmed to a place of being faith-filled. You feel like, I didn't really get that on Sunday the 10th. It's okay. I taught on it. It's up on the website. You can hear it there. Okay, so I'm going to ask you two questions today to consider. After you've considered them, I'm going to close by opening it up for some question and answer time. So, man, Pastor Ben, that was a whole lot. Well, it was 10 weeks. What's the one thing out of all this that God is asking you to do? In my experience, and in tracking with the journey in Scripture, the Holy Spirit is gentle. Holy Spirit doesn't overwhelm people, doesn't guilt people, doesn't shame people, doesn't lecture people. The Holy Spirit doesn't overwhelm people with too many tasks. 
What is the one thing out of all of that? What's the one thing that God is asking you to do? Let's just take a moment to consider that. Okay, so you may have that in your mind, in your spirit. Now, what is one thing that you can do to respond? So maybe what you came up with was hospitality, inviting people into your home and, and feeding them. So what's one thing that you can do? Well, set a date. Come to agreement with whoever lives in your house. It's me, myself, and I, myself. I said to myself, self... Friday night, June 22nd, before I'm going to wake up to go help Ben and Leah move on the 23rd, Friday night is when I'm going to invite somebody over. Set it soon. One, one action point, one bite-sized goal to respond to this. Okay, one thing that God's asking you to do, one thing that you can do to respond. Just want to close with some important perspective. Romans chapter 14, verse 17, the kingdom of God is a life of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Psalm 34, 14, search for peace and work to maintain it. Jeremiah 29, 5-14 is a context. Verse 7 says this, work for the peace, the shalom. Work for the peace of the city. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. 